once and for all, and for the record, that James Harrison is not a Steeler anymore. He betrayed the logo not once, but twice. He betrayed the fans not once, but twice. He betrayed the Roonies not once, but twice. James Harrison finagled his way out of Pittsburgh last year and went to New England. He put himself ahead of his team and his teammates. He slept through meetings, and he left the stadium when he wasn't active. Now, James Harrison says that Lev Bell should cheat the Roonies out of money by faking injury. The Roonies, who paid Harrison, treated him well, and put up with his many flaws, including flags, fines, and domestic violence. Harrison defecated all over the Roonies and all over the logo. That's two strikes. I don't need a third. James Harrison should never be in the Steeler Hall of Honor because he's got no honor. And he's not a Steeler. Not anymore. Hey, James Harrison. Take a hike. And guess what? You just made the list. That's the bottom line. And anybody who disagrees with it isn't a Steeler fan. The list brought to you by Matt Merck's Plumbing. Count on a name you can trust. Got Craig Wolfley at the bottom of the hour. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Actually, this uh, is not the last segment. We've got this segment next segment to take calls. And we've not taken many, so if you want to chime in, if you want to agree with me about the Harrison thing, I don't see how you could disagree, so call and agree by dialing 412-333-WXDX. Uh, we've been talking about some of the hilarious quotes coming uh, out of the Steelers' locker room. A.B. earlier today talked about being double and triple teamed. Juju says he's going to be double teamed soon, so... That's going to leave everybody else wide open. I just throw to Vance McDonald, James Washington, James Conner, every play. There's an article at The Athletic by Michael Salfino who says that Juju Smith-Schuster is right now the Steelers' number one receiver. I really hope Antonio Brown doesn't subscribe to The Athletic. And then A.B. also said today, that his numbers are down because he can't throw to himself. Make no mistake. If A.B. could throw to himself, he absolutely would. In fact, if A.B. could run across the beach and jump into his own arms, he absolutely would. 412-333-9939. I mentioned before that ridiculous Sarah Silverman tweet uh, where she said the problem isn't this white man being up for the Supreme Court, it's just that a white man is. So we should fill quotas on the Supreme Court now. Is that it? If that's what you want, that's what you want. I don't care. I'm almost dead. Nothing going on affects me, so I literally could not possibly care less. But that's still a dumb thing to say from your mansion in Hollywood. Speaking of saying something dumb, 
from your mansion in Hollywood. The actress Mira Sorvino tweeted, I have never before today actually felt we needed a revolution. Well, perhaps you could lead one from Hollywood. Perhaps you and Sarah Silverman and Ben Affleck could take up arms and start killing people. Because that's what you need to do in a revolution. Pick up arms and start killing people. And I don't know if anybody filled uh, Mira in on this, but we currently have democracy. And the guy who's president got voted in. I'm not crazy about it myself, but he got voted in under the tenets of a democracy. So if you want a revolution, you're suggesting you want something besides democracy. What do you want then? Basically, you're pissed off because your side lost, and now the guy who won is reaping the benefits of it. And he's doing it with no grace and class or positive effect for this country, but he did win. Revolution's not the problem. Not getting your champagne liberals off their lazy asses to vote when it mattered. That's the problem, Mira. That's the problem, Hollywood lady. You know what's amazing, too? Everything I said right now is right down the middle. And I bet the left thinks I hate them and the right thinks I hate them. And really, you can both go F yourselves. Now, you say you want a revolution, but, uh, well, you know. I mean, we, we all want to change the world. 412-333-9939. Well, we got a bunch of calls. Let's go real quick to Scott Aliquippa. Scott. What up, Mark? You're on with Double M. What's up? Hey, just wanted to comment on the Harrison situation real quick. I've been a loyal fan to him for the last 10-plus years. When he went to the Patriots, I, you know, I felt his competitive nature. He wanted to win a ring. He wasn't getting any playing time. I kind of understood that. No, he was being a now, baby, but go ahead. Now, the whole dilemma now that, that what he's saying about what Lev Bell should do, I completely lost him as a... I'll never be his fan again. I blocked him on social media. I completely agree with you. He's a, he's a jerk, and he's actually miserable anymore. Well, you can never go wrong when you completely agree with me. We got Mark Turkey. Is that the guy's name? Or is it an actual turkey? Because that would be terrific. And another Mark on hold. We'll get to them in a minute. Craig Wolfie at the bottom of the hour, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. I'm super excited to be calling you right now. He's brittle. He's a mind. He's not an arm. He's a brain. He's not a body. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X. We got Craig Wolfley at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Mark at Ohio. Mark, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up, man? Hey, I saw an NHL predictions here, and they're saying they're predicting the Flyers are going to have 105 points and the Pens are going to have 104. Am I missing something here as far as, like, the Flyers? and No, that, that's absurd. Some... I just can't see that. But there are certain teams that, that people slobber over because their media is very rambunctious and, and homerific, and Toronto's one and Philadelphia is another one. Uh, I think the Flyers will be fortunate to make the playoffs. Let's go to Josh in Baltimore. Josh, hey, you're the super uh, genius. With the playoffs, uh, with the pay cut, the players taking the playoffs. Do you think Le'Veon Bell would participate if he were to come back week ten? Would he if if he signs? He has to play in the playoffs. Well, he would have played at six games, right? Yeah, I don't know how many times they have to the same question. This is the first day you've listened to the show. When you sign a contract, you're under contract for the entirety of that season, and as it turns out, it's been reported. 
He doesn't have to play six games. Even if he plays zero games this season, he will be eligible for free agency next season, well, in the offseason, rather, provided the Steelers again don't again hit him with the franchise tag, and, and they won't. Boy, this is a business of repetition, and not in a good way. Leaves the line open at 412-333-WXDX. Let's go to Bill in North for sales. Bill, wrong with Double M. Double M. What up? Hey, I just wanted to say God bless you for having some common sense and the balls to use it. Rock on, brother. That's it? That's it. Well, you're not wrong. Let's go to Turkey in Mount Washington. Turkey. First off, is your name really Turkey? Well, some people call me Turkey, but that's not my real name. Okay, well, do go on. All right, I just wanted to see your thoughts. What do you think the chances are that Lev Bell is actually injured? He might have injured himself in the offseason or late August and is kind of using this to... Why Why would you think that? Just because it would save his image to potentially... Oh, I hate to say this. He's not saved his image one bit with what's transpired uh, during his holdout. Not one little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I don't think he's injured. I don't see any conspiracy theory beyond Lev Bell's absence other than he's going to not play this season to protect his body from free agency. He's clearly enjoying his year off. He's already moved on from the Steelers, and I, I pointed that out a long time ago, and nobody believed me till three weeks ago when he just didn't show up. I am surprised that He's not going to play at all. But then again, I'm not now that we know he doesn't have to to become a free agent. When we all thought, and and how are we so misinformed? Credit to Kabali for for vetting this and getting it right, but I thought that he had to play those six games. We all thought that. But had I known he didn't have to play at all to get the free agency, and the only way to prevent him from getting the free agency is to pay him 25 mil next year by franchise tagging him again, then I would have predicted him sitting out the entire season as soon as he didn't show up for week one. I figured he'd, he'd want the money. I figured he'd play all 16 games to get the big payday, but I misjudged that, and so did you, and, and the Steelers, more than anyone else, misjudged that. Let's go to Hutch and Sarver. Hutch, you're on with Mark. Mark, do you know why the Philadelphia Flyers are projected to have to finish out of the Penguins, right? I can't imagine any logical reason. Grady. Yeah, good call. Let's go to Paul in Pleasant Hills. Paul, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. Mr. Super Genius always. What's with, up? Uh, Le'Veon, with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, et cetera, et cetera, where are the Roonies? What do you expect them to do? You tell me. You're the super genius. This is the athlete of today. This is what they're like. And uh, the Steelers haven't done as much as they could to stem that tide, but short of getting rid of Bell and Brown, I don't know what they could have done. And maybe they should have because their image is blown. They've been made to look foolish by Harrison and now again by Bell, and they've got nothing to show for it. You know, you can tolerate being made to look like a dink, if you have some trophies to show for it. But they've been hornswoggled by Harrison, now again by Bell. I still don't believe you win with a guy like Antonio Brown. 
But the big thing is they have nothing to show for it. Up next, go to Talk Football with Craig Wolfley. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9. Joining me now in studio, and had they protected him like they're protecting quarterbacks in the NFL, <laughs> he might still be playing. It's Steelers' all-time great uh, Craig Wolfley. Wolf, we'll get to that topic maybe a bit later. But how much uh, progress was made by the Steelers in the win at Tampa Monday? Because I'm not sure the defense and special teams got all that much better. Well, I know this Jordan Barry was ripping the cover off the ball, and that was mentally tough to come back after getting that, that one where you got him knocked down inside the one-yard line. You come back and you, 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 know, you lose 19 yards of field position, and you boot the ball you know, like crazy. So good for him. The other thing was you got – I'm just talking special teams now. The Wizard of Boz, it's an issue. I mean, let's face it. We had the bionic stiff arm. The guy goes 75 yards. Cam Hayward has got the big signal. He's, he's, he's flashing at, at Conti. And, and you got all this juice. And then he comes out and he knocks them off the goalpost on the extra point. And that's, that's difficult. So that was, that was a hard thing. But defensively speaking, look, they got it going ramrod tough in the second quarter. And you got to be able to pick that back up and do the same in the third and fourth. Well, I will say the defense was opportunistic. Uh, four takeaways. And 10 passes defended, they got their hands on the ball a lot. I thought they were taking a little bit of a risk trying to jump routes sometimes, but at least it it came up with some reward. Well, it did, and you also got a lot of blitz and backers and things going on where they got their hands up. And, of course, John Bostic deflected that one that popped into the air, and Mike Hilton was able to, inter- I believe it was Hilton that intercepted it. Um, then you got, of course, Bud Dupree getting a nice pick six. All those things... Sacks. That, that was off pressure, too. Yes, it was off pressure. And sacks and, and turnovers like that, they tend to come in bunches. And so you hope that this is a signifying some more turnovers and takeaways coming in the future. I should say takeaways, not turnovers. Now, um, you mentioned Bostic. Uh, he's making a lot of tackles. Is that because Bostic is playing well or because the other team is going after him in the center of that Steeler defense? I, I can't get a beat on how well he is or isn't playing. I thought this was John's finest work to date. Uh, he really, in my mind, he blitzed a lot. He hit the gaps that he was supposed to hit. He found the ball, found the ball carrier, uh, down that guy. That's what he needs to do. That's what they got to keep doing. One thing I liked was his acceleration to the intercept point, and he was able to negate, I thought, a lot of the power blocking that was coming at him. He was able to overcome. So he's going in the right direction. He's going in the right direction, absolutely. In my mind, yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to talk about the Ravens. Should these stats concern me, Wolf? Baltimore is 12 for 12 in the red zone, and Baltimore is not allowed a touchdown in the second half. Yeah, <laughs> just off the top of my head. They, they really are concerning, aren't they? <laughs> I would say so. You know, the thing about this Ravens defense, I look at it, and there's nobody that it really, really scares me. If I'm an offensive lineman, you know, there was the day when you had the Ray Lewis's and such back in that. Peloti Nada, who was exactly, huge. Exactly. Who rearranged noses on quarterbacks' faces and Bart stuff Scott, like that. Bart Scott, who was a bit dirty, not yes. to mention good. Yes, not to mention the fact that he let, he threatened to kill Heinz Ward. You know, <laughs> those kind of guys. But they had they were villainous, and they gave you something you really wanted to go after and tie one on with. Now we are in uh, a kinder, gentler era, and one of the things that's, to me... For football put, in general. Yeah, put the violence back in the game. Let them play. Let them play Sunday night, man. I mean, you think about it, all the flags that have been going, hopefully the Steelers can play a little cleaner. But again, um, this defense of the Ravens isn't like... Your daddy's defense, my daddy's defense, uh, that that was Raven-like back in the day. But it certainly is still capable of doing some damage. Well, it, it is weird because I agree with you. It's not like the old-school Ravens defense, but right now it's first overall. 
second against the pass, fifth in scoring defense. Who's the catalyst for that Baltimore D-Wolf? Because, like you said, they don't have the stars that you used to you see. And it's just, it, it is weird. I know what you're saying. There's no one to draw a target on when you're talking about that Baltimore defense. Well, even even the guy that used to come out with the gladiator mask on to all the smoke and fire and brimstone, that being Terrell Suggs, has now turned into kind of like a, a wise statesman. You know what I mean? Uh, well, he's in the twilight. No offense to him because no. he's still pretty effective. Two and a half sacks he's gotten three right. games. It's still amazing. He still plays at a pretty high level. But certainly you got to think he is he's kind of like the heart and soul, at least by word and by appearance, and, and one of those guys that you know the rest of the defense can rally around. But it's C.J. Mosley was the big hitter. Now he's got an injury, and that and you know coming back, however effective he can be, I don't know yet. Uh, you got some light linebackers in there. When you take a look at their linebacking crew, you got a Wasser, you got uh, uh, Kenny Young. Those guys are the two two and a quarter. Uh, you know they're two thirty five. I think boy, if you can get after him and, and run at him, uh, getting around Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce, you know those guys. Both them guys are like ten pounds of potatoes and, and five pound sacks. They really they 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 fill out their uniforms, but they are hard to move and they're hard to uproot. Now, Jimmy Smith is not going to play. He's still serving a suspension uh, for personal conduct. And I dug back through the stats, Wolf. When Jimmy Smith covers A.B., A.B. don't do much. When Jimmy Smith can't play, A.B. rips the Ravens apart. Uh, That surprised me a bit that that Jimmy Smith, I mean, A.B. only averages 60 receiving yards a game when he's covered by Smith. It surprised me that Smith shackled him to that degree, but... That bodes well for Sunday night. Well, it does because it, obviously with Jimmy Smith there and stats bear that out, uh, you might have an opportunity for A.B. to shake loose and, and get himself going in the direction that we're all you know, uh, fully. I mean, this is what you expect. He, he's been pertinier but not plumb. Yeah, he's just not been the A.B., the game breaker that, that we know. I, I think he's still hurt a bit. I wonder. I wonder about that. A I don't cap. hear anything. I don't hear anything at all. But he's never, as you pointed out earlier, you said he's never been one to ever use that as an excuse. He right. goes out there and he lays it on the line. Why I have such great respect for him. The fact is, though, with Juju and the and, and what he's been doing, the positive work in Vance McDonald. That's all just bodes well for AB to shake loose. Now Flacco stumbled for a couple years. Did, didn't stink, but wasn't what he was. But now his numbers are pretty decent. It's a real short sample. But do you feel like Joe Flacco's having a bit of a resurgence? Well, I do in the sense, first of all, I think they got straightened out whatever was going on with his knee. Because, you know, when he came back from that, he never, never looked comfortable with people falling around. Now they got him moving a little bit. He'll run some sprint outs and things of that nature. And he's got uh, multiple layers of, of routes that he's looking at. Because Marty Mornenwig came in. Instead of the long bombers of Cam Cameron and those guys, uh, Mornenwig's more of a West Coast guy. It's more about timing routes. And that's good, because we're not sure Joe can throw that deep that much anymore. At least I'm not. Well, yeah. I mean, he's not shown it, but he's still, I think he's capable. He he's was a bad bomber. He was the guy that put up you know, the, the lofty ones to the... Uh, you know the angry elf, Steve Smith, and those other guys, and draw the pass interference. You know now it's about timing routes. Now he's got a, a lower per pass completion average. I think he's at six point eight when he used to be up around nine and so forth. Um, so it's decidedly changed what he looks at as far as that goes, and he doesn't have the complementary running game that I think he's used to. We're talking to Steeler great Craig Wolfley here on one hundred five nine the X. Uh, Wolf, uh, let's talk about the Steelers. The O-line might have everybody available, and that would certainly serve the Steelers very well because I thought they kind of survived in the trenches last week. Well, 
survives a good word, but at the same time, uh, I can't tell you the great job that BJ and and uh, Matt Filer did under the gun. That's what everybody I mean, says. You know, when you look at these two young bucks, they go out there. Matt Filer, I, you know, pregame, I love to stand down by the guys. And right before, you see Marquise Pouncey, man. He's got the eyes flashing. He's ready to go. He's bouncing. The juice is just emanating. And I see Matt Filer, and Matt comes out, and I know this look well. He's making his first start on Monday night football at tackle. And he comes out, he looks like he just saw a ghost. You know, and I know that feeling. It's <laughs> it's paralyzing. And I can tell you this: I made my first start, uh, my second year in the, in the NFL. Our first year, I didn't start actually, but I played a lot against the Oakland Raiders on Monday Night Football back with Dandy Don and and uh, you know Howard Cosell. Howard and those guys. Cosell. There you go. And I can remember, I was absolutely terrified. I will say this: <laughs> Matt Filer did infinitely better than I did on my first Monday Night game. Well, I, I got to tell you, you said last week that Filer. Uh, had some expertise as a run blocker. And, and watching the game again just on the TV feed, especially the second time through when I watched it, I thought he had major impact on that last drive when, when James Conner put the game away. A lot of that was uh, was kind of in Filer's territory, wasn't it? No question about it. That's in his wheelhouse. He is a powerful dude. The guys call him the anchor. I mean, he is because he is just such a stout, strong man. What I was worried about and what I, I, I thought sure was going to happen, you know, you knew that the – Bucks were going to come after him with Gerald McCoy and whoever else they're going to put out there, and they're going to run twists. They ran twists. You could put on the Beatles twist and shout, and then frame <laughs> after frame. Come of them. on, baby. Exactly. And I will tell you this: BJ and and Matt stood the test. They, you know, they you had a crack here or there, but I got to tell you, overall, they did a great job. Now Ben was terrific on Monday night, and let's talk about his escapability, Wolf, because at thirty six, it, it's a different kind of escapability. He used to just run away from people, and now he just kind of slips and slides. He moves a lot without moving very much. You know what's interesting is you see the optimum amount of uh, his veteranship coming into play with his, uh, you know, he's got some diminishing his physical skills in some sense, but he, he's lighter. He looks great. He moves so well. And he, he, what he does is he moves with a purpose. There's no unwanted, wasted motions. He knows when to go. He knows when to slide. He knows when to step up. Those sorts of things where in the past he might accelerate and go from there. You know, he really bides his time, and I really admire the what he's doing right now. Think about very, it. Very cerebral. Very cerebral. He's out there. He's got, he's got the whole nine yards working for him. First three games in his 15th year, what is it, 300-yard games in the first three games, never done that before in his career. And he's, he's doing first in his 15th year. That says a lot about him. Now, the number one highlight at Tampa for me, and I know you loved it too, that Vance McDonald stiff arm. Oh. That struck me as a turning point for the game. And maybe I'm overestimating, but it might be a turning point for the season. You know, you might look back, and that might be the reference point. The, the benchmark for everybody to go, let's go with the, the bionic stiff arm. Let's go, baby. I mean, you think about it. That was one of the greatest plays I've ever seen in my NFL life. Especially doing it twice, a two-piece and a biscuit. It was amazing. It was. And I thought when, when Cam Hayward was doing the point, you know, and they, they flashed on it. Big pop. You got to laugh. I mean, it was just so magnificent. Poor Chris Conti. He's got to sit there and go, let somebody else get stiff arm this week, please, <laughs> so I can get off ESPN highlights. Well, he, he, it won't happen to him again for a while. I mean, yeah. I feel bad for the guy, but right. he got stiff-armed so hard in the head that his knee buckled. <laughs> the vibrations yeah. carried all the way down. Well, those are not good vibrations. No, they were not good vibrations. Uh, they were definitely painful for him. And, uh, you know, 
I, I know what it's like. You know, you can be every player's got those couple of plays in their history. I remember the great Larry Brown. Every radio host has a oh. couple moments like that too, Wolf, believe me. I asked Larry Brown, the great legendary right tackle of Steelers, after he had retired, I said, Do you ever miss it? He says, Do you know what I do? He says, I keep a picture on my refrigerator. On the picture, Ben Williams was his kryptonite. Ben Williams from the Bills. He said, I have a picture of Terry Bradshaw on his back holding the ball down, right? I'm on my back, he says, on top of Bradshaw with Ben Williams on top of his both. He says, anytime I miss the game, I look at that, I suddenly don't miss the game at all. Here's one of those stories, Wolf, that won't go away, although maybe it will. Would it be better if Lev Bell just stays away now and, and doesn't play for the Steelers this season? It feels like we're almost past the point of no return, and James Conner's doing pretty good. At least he's showing legitimate signs. You know, he really has come on good. This this kid is, is uh, I think he's terrific. Well, that fourth quarter might have been a turning point for him. Exactly. Look, there's there's a time in your running back life when you like you, things are not going well and you still manage to bust out the big runs. That 27-yarder, that 17-yarder, you know, in the late in the game. That's what you need to do for your team. They need you to come through. They want you to come through, and bammo, you come through. So with Lev, I can't ever say it would be better if he didn't come because he is such a great player. But at the same time, I don't know what it would be like inside the locker room when he comes back in. Yeah, and, and I, I don't – I'll be blunt, Wolf. I don't trust him to be in game shape. And don't forget, this won't be just one training camp he missed. It'll be two in a row. And doesn't that have to have some sort of cumulative effect? I, I That I can't speak to. I've never been fortunate enough to, have, to be able to miss two training camps. <laughs> and I can't remember the last time somebody did either. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Uh, I think what it is is it, it really is going to set him back as far as being able – let's just say that he doesn't play at all this year. And then you come in next year and wherever that might be. Um, and it's weird because then you're kind of used to not working. Yeah. You're going to have to really get back in a, in a groove in that regard and – I don't know. I don't know if Lev has the personality to really like just go from doing nothing to doing a lot. Like would be required at that point. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's all uncharted territory, and so I, I really don't know. You wish the best for him in the sense that if he if he came back, you know, the, the, you wonder just where he'd be physically because it took right. him three weeks as it was for actually into the fourth game before he started to show signs yes. of who he was, and it was the Kansas City game week number five and before he, he, he was left after that. Absolutely. He, he is a great talent, no question, but you still need that work in ramp-up time to be able to play. This game Sunday night feels real big, doesn't it? It just feels like the result will determine something at year's end when we look back. It, it almost, to me, it's like, okay, this is the first real physical test of yourself, who you are as men. You go out there, and I know the two trains, one track, um, it's not like it was in the past in the NFL. It's, it's or, or with these two teams. Right, exactly. It's not quite the same, but still, there's enough bad blood from uh, past history that you look at it and you go, you know, just have at it, and let's see where we, we, we stack up here, because this is about... That professional pride and you know locking horns with the what has been your nemesis, Wolf. Uh, I'll leave you with it with some happy news. I don't know if you figured this out yet, but in our profession, even though you'd rather see the Steelers beat Cleveland, you know what that tie means? No, we don't have to worry all year about figuring out tiebreakers. <laughs> they just don't concern us now. How's that? Well, nobody else is going to tie a game. The Steelers won't be tied. With- oh, wait, what if they tie Cleveland? Scratch that thought. Scratch that thought. If the Steelers tie Cleveland. Well, we won't want another result <laughs> no, of that tiebreaker. No. That's Craig Wolfley. It's not time to ask Mark anything, but today we're doing it with a twist. Not unlike the Beatles. By Twitter.
Twitter only. Ask Mark anything at Mark Madden X. You're listening to 105.9. It's time now to ask Mark anything. Brought to you by Chipino Restaurant Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood and champa. So check out Chipino in the strip. Tell them Double M sent you and order the super genius burger. Paul tweets, will Derek Broussard be a penguin by the new year? Considering the depth currently at the center position. Uh, Paul, I don't know. The coaches love Riley Shane and believe he can be a third-line center. I disagree, but that could spur a Broussard trade at some point if Broussard isn't happy with third-line minutes or if Broussard isn't producing. But I bet Broussard adapts, and I bet Broussard does well. Center is the most important position in the league besides goaltender, and the Penguins have the most at the center position in the league and Broussard puts that advantage over the top. I would not move Broussard to wing. I'd trade him before I would do that. Center or sayonara. Mark tweets, will Ricola be in the top six by year's end? I think it's possible, but not probable. Well, unless injury dictates. If Ricola would have to knock somebody out the Penguins' top six... It would have to be Alexiak. But mostly, I think a lot of people are overreacting to, admittedly, a very good training camp by a guy that's never played a regular season NHL game. Ricola had some great exhibition games, but they were only exhibition games. I like Ricola, but we're a long way from really knowing what he's got. From Phil, should I buy season tickets to Pirate Games next year? If you want to. I won't tell people how to spend their entertainment dollar, and there's a lot of fun to be had at PNC Park, and it is Major League Baseball. But ownership will not maximize the team's chances of winning. They just won't. That's the caveat. Big Dave tweets, Is this the year for Liverpool, or will Man City or Chelsea squander the dream? Uh, Dave, I believe City and Liverpool are the two best teams in the English Premier League. But Chelsea ain't lost yet and have caught foes by surprise with the new manager and his wide-open football. Uh, Hazard is on fire for Chelsea. Uh, Tomorrow's game between Liverpool and Chelsea at Stamford Bridge will clearly tell a tale. Tim tweets, why is the Steelers' defense so bad? Because they never replaced Shazier or even 50% of Shazier. It's one thing to lose a star player. It's another thing to replace him with a low-level free agent, and that's what John Bostic is, a low-level free agent. Shazier getting hurt made the field so much bigger for the other team and made the job harder for everyone else on that Steeler defense. It's that simple. Shazier getting hurt wrecked the Steeler defense and they are nowhere close to recovering. Dominic tweets, Penn State versus Ohio State. Who you got and why? I got Penn State. It's at Penn State, and McSorley gives Penn State a huge edge at quarterback. Also, Bosa, the pass rusher, he's out for Ohio State. From Bill, was there any blowback on blowhard James Harrison because of his levy on Bell comments? Blowback? Blowhard? I feel you. But, Bill, uh, 
blowback from who? Fox Sports doesn't mind Harrison's comments because they got people talking. Harrison threatened me, but nobody cares about me, least of all Fox Sports. All the media websites like Dad Spin and Awful Announcing, they ignored that little Twitter beef because it made me look good because I owned Harrison. Make no mistake, I owned Harrison. It was a one-day thing pretty much, and that's fine by me. From Tyler, would the late Dan Rooney be more embarrassed by Le'Veon Bell situation or the AB drama from a couple weeks back? That's a good question. Mr. Rooney saw the locker room headed in this direction before he passed. I mean, how could he not? But what could Dan Rooney do about it? He was older, not as dynamic, didn't have the same cachet, and this is what the athletes of the day are all about. It's bad, but inevitable. Thomas tweets, you often talk about the tremendous wealth you've acquired over your career. Your shoes cost more than my house, that's obvious. What are the three best slash most important things your fame slash success have afforded you? Uh, it's just one thing, Thomas. I don't have to worry about money. I grew up watching my mother worry about money. Not badly so, and my family was hardly impoverished, but bills would get paid late and she would work extra jobs like teaching night school and summer school. We had to make choices like penguin season tickets or braces for me. But now I make enough money that I don't have to worry about money at all. And I do have certain luxuries, but not worrying is at the top of that list. From Roy, who is the best wrestling manager? I like the Grand Wizard. Uh, I hate the guy, but Jim Cornette was the best wrestling manager ever. He was the whole package, talking, presence, bumps, gimmick. Cornette did it all. Kate tweets, obviously concerned. Has the kitty stopped waking you up at 3 a.m.? Yes, but only because I shut the bedroom door when I go to bed, and she's on the outside, not the inside. Uh, Clipper's curfew is midnight. She's exiled from my bedroom after that. From Madrid. Do you think on Better Call Saul, characters like Kim and Nacho that are not in Breaking Bad will be killed off for show impact? That's an intriguing question. I think Nacho gets killed off because that's the nature of the drug business. Kim is turning heel right now. I figured she'd dump Jimmy before getting caught in his web, and that was the apparent direction of that storyline. But instead, now she's voluntarily getting more entangled. I think Kim is the most interesting character on Better Call Saul right now and maybe the most interesting character in the series history. And finally, from David, what is your favorite and least favorite holiday? Uh, my favorite holiday is anyone that gets me time off. I like Christmas and I like Thanksgiving. I like the food. I don't like New Year's Eve. It's amateur night. Much ado about nothing. That's it. That's the list. Liverpool and Chelsea tomorrow. Come on, you Reds. Good talk. See you out there. Oh, I forgot. Steelers play, too. Well, the most important football game is Liverpool and Chelsea tomorrow. But I'll be doing the Renegade Steeler 
pregame show on the X. Six till eight on Sunday. Steelers and Ravens, that game has mega implications. Good talk, see you out there. 105.9 The X.